All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm catching you up on last week's news, including the roster moves that the Falcons had, the injury to Matt Gano, as well as answering one of your listener questions. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, hosting this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by RockAuto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So today's episode, I'm getting you caught up on the Falcons roster news uh, and moves that occurred on Wednesday and Thursday of last week where they added four players, cut four players. We'll talk about the four players that they added and sort of what those guys' chances of making the roster are. We'll get into Matt Gano's injury and what that means for the Falcons already Red flags, question marks, concerns along their offensive line, if that raises even bigger concerns, who they might potentially target to replace Matt Gano if his injury is deemed serious. So far, it's sort of undisclosed. And then we have a listener question in which the listener wants to know why do the Falcons not go after or get top tier free agents? And then that listener also wants to know, you know, my top five music artists and whatnot. So we'll get into my musical tastes at the end of today's episode. But without further ado, let's jump into the eight roster moves that the Falcons made late last week. They signed four players in wide receiver, Jeff Bidette, uh, outside linebackers, Sharif Miller and George Obina and defensive tackle, John Atkins to make room for those four players. They cut wide receiver, Greg Dortch, outside linebacker, Jeff Holland, linebacker, Alani Pututeu and defensive tackle, Ely Anku. Now with Bidette, you know, he's got speed, ran a four two seven, I think, at his pro day coming out of Oklahoma several years back. Uh you might remember him as the sort of third wide receiver at Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield's final year there. He previously was at Kentucky, but he was sort of the third wheel um behind Hollywood Brown and CeeDee Lamb. Mark Andrews was on that team as well. Um, you know, he's bounced around the league a little bit. Uh, most prominently with the Vikings back in 2018 and 2019. It's not necessarily a promising sign that given the Vikings had some very thin wide receiver depth during those years and, and years since that Bidette was unable to make the Falcons roster, or the, I'm sorry, the Vikings roster with the goal of being that sort of vertical threat. And the hope is that he'll be that guy here in Atlanta. But basically I'm saying it's not a promising sign that he couldn't do that in Minnesota where you could argue the talent was, you know, the, the path to success was much less of a, a, a was a much less steep hill to climb. I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I'm butchering that metaphor. Um, but you know, you you look back at his preseason stats, you look at his time in the XFL back in 2020, and his impact as a vertical receiver had just hasn't been felt at least at the professional level. He's caught zero um, of his deep passes, deep targets, according to Pro Football Focus, 
over two summers as well as one season in XFL. I think it wound up being about seven or eight passes and, and zero completions to him. And what is interesting is you're kind of hoping that Jeff Bedette can kind of be the Aldrick Robinson here to what the what the Falcons had in 2016 with Aldrick Robinson in terms of that deep threat. Um, and then the Vikings wound up signing Aldrick Robinson back in 2018 to basically fill those shoes because Bedette wasn't able to step into that. And, you know, you need that here in Atlanta because the Falcons, you know, they lost Julio Jones, don't really have a, a true blue vertical threat on their team. You know, it's Calvin Ridley, and, and that's really about it uh, that they're having. And the hope is that, you know, whether Bidette's Aldrick Robinson from 2016 or, or Khalif Raymond, which is the version of that player that Arthur Smith had in Tennessee these last couple of years, um, you know, you, you kind of need someone to come in and be that guy that can help take the top off of a defense. And I don't know if Calvin Ridley and Olamide Zacchaeus are sufficiently going to be able to give that to you to the degree that you kind of need it in today's NFL. The other thing you can say about Bidette is that he does have return skills, although that's primarily as a kick returner, not a, not the punt returner where that presumably is where the competition will be this summer. So that is good news for Chris Rowland, who now has a greater probability of being able to out compete Avery Williams for that punt return job and possibly stick on the roster. Obviously Williams is still going to be the front runner, but it means with Dorsch gone, uh, that's one less player that Chris Rowland should be looking over his shoulder uh, to, to potentially compete for. Moving on to Miller and Obina. Miller was a former fourth round pick with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019 out of Penn State. Obina was an undrafted free agent last year out of Sacramento State, picked up by the Browns. Miller has a little bit more pedigree for that reason. He did wind up playing pretty well in 2019, the preseason from all accounts. He had two sacks with the Eagles that summer, um, but then spent his rookie season in 2019 inactive, and then the Eagles cut him last summer. He resigned to their practice squad after a brief stint with the Panthers. He does have the size at Athleticism and length that you're looking for about 6'5", 260. Uh, so there's some tools there that could be developed. Obena is a little bit on the smaller side. I think he was 245 coming out, was with the Browns last summer, didn't make the team due to a triceps injury. And you go back to his times at Sacramento State, he, he did miss some time. Uh, in those during his collegiate year with various injuries, but was very productive when he was healthy. He's the school's all-time sack leader, as well as second in school history uh, in tackles for loss. Obviously, with both guys, there's some developmental potential. Um, but as I discussed when we did the Ade Ogundeji scouting report last week, you know I wasn't sure that uh, Ogundeji was going to be a guy that was – going to be active this upcoming season, given the players ahead of him at the outside linebacker position. So I would think it would be even harder press for Miller and Obina to make the team. So I think they're probably looking at more practice squad spots. And the hope is that those guys, you know, and particularly Miller could stick this year on the practice squad. And then next year, you know, with a year under his belt could make the jump and, and be sort of a back end, you know, rotational guy, similar to what we saw with Jacob Tawody Mariner, um, you know, a year ago. And one hopes that Miller has just a little bit more juice and a little bit more potential as a pass rusher. And I think he does that if he makes a similar jump, then that could be a guy that could certainly be a, a, a contributor for the Falcons moving forward at that outside linebacker position. Uh, as for Atkins, he's a Jordan project was undrafted in 2018 was one of the worst athletes at his position at, in that particular draft class, that same draft class as guys like Deidre and Sinat. Um, big, you know, run plugger, 320 pound nose tackle, 
played with the Lions in 2018 and 2019, spent most of those years on the practice squad, but was promoted to the roster a couple of times due to injuries, particularly in 2019. He did wind up starting six games for the Lions that year, playing you know nose tackle and defensive end, but did not grade out particularly well for pro football focus, did not really have any splash plays in terms of quarterback hits, sacks, or tackles for loss or anything like that. So, you know, he, you presume he's going to come in and compete for a backup nose tackle spot. This is good news for Deidre Sanat, who I figured was on the roster bubble. And guy like Evie Yonku was a guy that I thought had a legit chance to wind up overtaking Sanat and being the backup to Tyler Davidson at defensive tackle. But with Anku, you know, the, one of the, the only guy behind Davidson that has – legit NFL experience where he's actually been good in the NFL. I mean, Atkins has played in the NFL, but hasn't been good uh, going, you know, against guys like Oluve and Sungapalu. You know, this does bode well for Dejan Sinat a little bit better. So we'll see sort of how that works out for at the backup nose tackle position. But that was a position where the Falcons were relatively thin and, um, you know, maybe they're thinner. Swapping out Anku for Atkins, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for them. Obviously, they don't agree with that assessment, so we'll see how it plays out. And the other thing that we're going to have to see how it plays out is the undisclosed injury to Matt Gano and how that's going to impact the offensive line. And we'll continue today's Locked on Falcons by discussing that topic. Uh, but before we get there, guys, you know I got to plug the NBA side of the Locked on Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Locked on Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland. He's giving you all this skinny on the Hawks uh, impressive Game 7 win over the Sixers. Now they are advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. But whether your team is the Atlanta Hawks and they're advancing to the conference finals or you have another team. Of course, you can find your favorite team's uh, daily podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like the month of June to get started at BetOnline. Of course, you got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and of course, baseball is in full swing. And you can track all the action at BetOnline. It's not just sports. Though, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit $200, you get $100 in free money to play with. Using that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about Matt Gano's injury, which we don't have a lot of details on. We don't know the extent of it. Initially, it was rumored that it could be season ending. Mike Rothstein of ESPN sort of quelled that, saying it wasn't, which is good news. But we don't know how serious an injury. We just know he had surgery. And it was around June 9th where we first noticed, or at least based off of people's various tweets, where Matt Gano was no longer practicing with the team. He was there, you know, in late May during OTAs and whatnot, standing in for Kayla McGarry at that right tackle position. And then around June 9th, he was no longer practicing. So one imagines uh, somewhat time between late May and, and early June is when he suffered whatever injury he had to get the surgery for. So this is a big loss for the Falcons. You know, we're making a list for who are the five best offensive linemen on the team. I think you would be hard-pressed to not have Matt Gano on that list of the top five offensive linemen where you put him three, four, or five, uh, at least based off of his limited body of work so far um, compared to others. And uh, we'll have to get more information. Again, I'm, I'm guessing 
emphasis on guessing. Um, but I'm guessing that this puts his ability to participate at the start of training camp at stake. Uh, maybe he winds up going on the pup list of physically unable to perform list to start the summer. And that potentially raises the possibility he could start the regular season that way and could wind up missing close to half of this upcoming season if this injury is serious. So we'll have to sort of see what details we get from that. Um, but, you know, as I've said several times in this podcast, Matt Gano is probably the most talented of the potential options the Falcons could have at the left guard position. Although from various reports, it didn't seem like he was getting a lot of work there during OTAs, but he's arguably, you know, right neck and neck with Caleb McGarry to be a potential starter at right tackle. Uh, so that clearly means that he has a lot of value as a swing tackle, which was his primary role with the Falcons. And looking at his ability to step in for McGarry last year, this goes back to what I said about his body of work so far being so impressive. He was able to hold his own against players like Demarcus Lawrence and Shaq Barrett and Joey Bosa and several of those starts. You know, Khalil Mack tore him a, a new one, but uh, we won't give him too much grief for that one. And, you know, I've talked about in the past, you know, Caleb McGarry's having a ceiling comparable to what Ryan Schrader was here in Atlanta. But it's interesting that Gano seems to be following a lot of the same pathways that a guy like, you know, Ryan Schrader had in, at least in terms of his origin here in Atlanta being, you know, they're both being undrafted free agents that kind of played sparingly in the first couple of years, but then, you know, showed a lot of promise when they did play and that did wind up leading to permanent starting jobs. And that's one of the reasons why I look at Matt Gano as a very talented guy that this Falcon team would be very smart to invest in long-term just because like, he's what, I don't know, two years younger than Caleb McGarry or something like that, or maybe he's like a year younger than Caleb McGarry, but that's a player that, you know, has some longevity here and I think has probably more upside than Caleb McGarry if you can develop it. But uh, you know, talking about the, the swing tackle depth, the last time the Falcons went into a summer training camp without really having a viable option at swing tackle was 2017. And they wound up trading a fifth round pick that year um, for Ty Sambrella. Then obviously the next year, Matt Gano was the undrafted rookie that was showed a lot of promise in that 2018 summer. And it's been a non-issue in the year since. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be in a situation like the Falcons were in 2017, where they were very desperate and overpaid to get, you know, a backup level player like a Ty Sambrello. And then, you know, much to my chagrin wound up, you know, continually trying to mine that move for, for gold uh, for the next three years. But um, we'll see what, what the Falcons do addressing this position. If, if they are going to wind up addressing it before training camp, the obvious choice would be Dennis Kelly in free agency. He's basically served as the Titans swing tackle for the last five years. You know, Kelly's 31, so he's a little on the older side, but has eight years of NFL experience, a starter 47 games across his NFL career, including 16 last year for the Titans at right tackle when Isaiah Wilson, their first round pick, wound up proving to be a massive bust there and wound up stepping in and, and doing a perfectly solid job for most of the season. Not a superstar, but perfectly functional. Wasn't necessarily a massive liability on their offensive line by any means. And then you go back to 2019, or I'm sorry, yeah, 2019. Um, he started the first four games of that season at left tackle when Taylor Luan, you know, was out of the lineup due to a PED uh, suspension and Kelly graded out really well those first four games of the season and their offense didn't really, you know, miss a beat in that regard. So, um, you know, for me with the Falcons offensive line, certainly I'm not going to panic right now, but you know, I, I do want to see how these guys perform in the preseason because 
uh, it's a concern for me because, you know, let's say they come out in that opening preseason game, I believe against the Titans and they kind of struggle. And whether we're talking about the swing tackle candidates, or we're talking about the potential starters at left guard and center, you know, that's when I'm going to start to be very concerned about this offensive line. We, the one decent offensive tackle after Ghana was William sweet is guy they picked up last month. Um, and you know, he's the only decent other option, but I don't want him to be the Falcon swing tackle to me. He was like going to be the eighth offensive lineman, not the sixth or seventh guy. Right. And you know, we'll just have to find out sort of the extent of Gano's injury, which will probably inform whether or not they look to sign someone before camp or not. Um, but I can't imagine them being overly confident in sweet being the swing tackle. I can't imagine this team being overly confident in Jalen Mayfield being the swing tackle, which I, I'm sure some people will start to talk about between now and training camp. But as I said, watching the film of Jalen Mayfield at Michigan, I just do not think he has the skill set to function as a tackle in the NFL. You know, you take all your issues, all your concerns about Kayla McGarry, um, in Jalen Mayfield and just dial those things up to 11. And and that's basically what Jalen Mayfield is um, as, as a, you know, tackle candidate. And I just don't feel like that's a guy that's a viable option for the Falcons. So we'll, we'll see how that, you know, plays out. But like, again, the fact that Mayfield is getting reps at right tackle, at least last week, um, tells me that they don't necessarily have another guy that they're comfortable with at the backup tackle position. So again, not panicking yet, but this is certainly a concern for me. And it it certainly is not helping me try to be a little bit more optimistic about this team's potential performance and offensive output this upcoming season, because the offensive line remains the bigger question mark on the team. Um, and will only continue to be if, if they have some of the questions at their depth where they're one injury away from playing somebody who has no business starting NFL games. Um, and, and that's seemingly where they're at. And it seems like they're putting, at least right now, based off of the roster right now, they're putting all their chips on Dwayne Ledford being sort of Dante Skarnecki at 2.0. And there's nothing against Dwayne Leverett, who by all accounts is a very good coach, but it just does seem like a tall order for a guy going into his first year coaching in the NFL. And to be fair to Dwayne Leverett, he did play in the NFL. He wasn't that good an NFL player, you know, by objectively measurements, barely played across like, you know, six seasons. But like, um, you know, if we're talking about a guy that's a first time NFL assistant coach that has all these young players that are green and projects and all these various things. Like when we talk about good bets versus bad bets, it's hard to make the case. That's a good bet, right? You know, it's hard for me to, to make that argument uh, with the Falcons offensive line as it currently exists, especially in a world where Matt Gano is going to be out for a couple of months um, or however long he's going to be out. Hopefully it's a couple of weeks, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a couple of weeks. I think if it was going to be a couple of weeks, we probably would have heard something about that by now, but you know, I'm contractually obligated. It seems every other week on this podcast to bring up that 2015 offensive line and the roster moves that that team made at the end of the summer to address some of the concerns they had then trading for Andy Levitri, signing Jake Long, Bryce Harris, and, and Gino Gregkowski. So, again, that's part of the reason why I'm not panicking because I know we've already seen situations like this where the offensive line had major question marks and the team wound up addressing them in the weeks leading up to the regular season. So I'm curious to see um, you know, if they wind up doing that again. But it seems like they're inevitably on this path because I just do not imagine a scenario where this, all, this current offensive line as it is constructed, you know, Everything hits, right? You know, like some things might hit certain players. Like I'm not worried about the center position as much, but like left guard and and now the tackle depth. Yes. I'm very concerned about that right now. 
um, you know, again, not panicking, but like I look back at that 2015 line and you look at that 2015 line, at least going into training camp was light years better than this current group was. You know, we had five legit starters on that team. Jake Matthews, Ryan Schrader, Chris Chester, Joe Hawley, and John Asamoah. You had guys like James Stone who had experience, Tyler Columbus who had plenty of uh, experience, and Mike Parsons sort of duking it out to be the top backups. Um, you know, and right now I'm, I'm looking at how green this current unit is and how thin this current unit is. And, you know, you, you don't know what I would, wouldn't give to have at least a Mike person or Tyler Columbus to walk through that door right now. Uh, and of course the incomparable James Stone, who, you know, is undefeated in terms of his greatness, but like, I just look at it. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm not panicking, but I, I am concerned about this offensive line right now. So we'll see how that develops as the summer, you know, goes on and what we'll see develop. On the remainder of today's episode is answering a listener question on why the Falcons don't get top tier free agents. And if that's true or not, and we'll address that on today's podcast, as well as, you know, my top five music artists. So you guys get an insight into my musical taste uh, as we wrap up today's podcast. But before we get there, guys, I want to plug the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, as well as Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're giving you all the skinny on all things bets and helping you make money uh, this summer before we get into things. So check out the locked on bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Did you guys know that built bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market has nine delicious flavors. Whether you're a fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer mint brownie, double chocolate, cherry, barcia, cookies and cream, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, coconut or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor too. Like they brought back caramel brownie just for father's day. You can try them all with a mix box, getting two each of all nine flavors. Built bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they taste just like a candy bar. My favorite, the coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. And it's not just that they're tasty, they're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. They're doing one day sales all the time now. So if you don't want to miss out on the next offer this summer, head over to the website, sign up for the newsletter at the very least. And when your flavor goes on sale, just head over to the website at builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. So finding the right parts for your offensive line can be very hard if you're in the Falcons situation, but finding the right parts for your car doesn't have to be because you can always go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new floor mats. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts just go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so our last question and what we'll wrap up today's episode talking about is from chill vibes at chill catch vibes on twitter yes what up Falcons question. What are some reasons the Falcons have not been a top destination for any top tier free agents in my lifetime? I'm in my mid thirties. I need answers. And my non-sports question is who are your top five fave musical artists? 
So with your first question, I'm not sure I really agree that the Falcons aren't a destination for top free agents, but I guess that depends heavily on what you consider to be a top tier free agent. I'm assuming in this instance, you're referring to players that are like household names. So like JJ Watt this past year or Peyton Manning in previous years or Darrell Revis, those types of guys where they are universally recognized as being among the best players at their position, universally recognized as future hall of famers. So I'm guessing that's what you mean by that. Um, but, you know, when it comes to free agent signings, the, the truth of the matter is that most, not all, but most free agent signings are determined by who's the highest bidder, right? So if you're wondering why any team, Falcons or anybody else, aren't signing certain players, it's probably because they're not bidding higher than other teams are. And obviously in recent years, part of the reason why the Falcons aren't outbidding teams is they've been pretty tight with their wallets for salary cap persons, per t- purposes. And they're trying not to spend in free agency outside of trying to find free agents at the sort of one position that they feel to be sort of a, a glaring hole, which, you know, in recent years, it hasn't necessarily worked out into their favor with, you know, some of the offensive line and defensive line signs they've made the last couple of years. But, you know, other than that, you know, with big names, I'm guessing also the other factor you have to weigh in is that those big names that you seemingly I'm guessing are referring to don't often hit the market that often. So it's not as if those guys are going to be like you go to pro football focuses, you know, free agent rankings this past year, the number one player that left their rankings was Kenny Galladay. And like, I don't think you would, most people would say, Oh, Kenny Galladay is a top tier free agent. I mean, maybe some people would, uh, maybe in Detroit they would, but you know, let's go back to Darrell Revis, right. As use an example, when he was back on the open market back in 2014 and 2015. And during that time, the Falcons had young developing up and coming cornerbacks like Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford. And so like many teams at that time deemed spending a kajillion dollars on Revis to be a waste of money. And I think that's really the other issue involved here. 30 years of data tells us that overspending a free agency is generally a bad strategy. And so better teams tend to avoid enacting that strategy. Um, And the better teams in general tend to avoid spending big money in free agency. And contrary to popular opinion, at least over the last 10 or 15 years, the Falcons have actually been a fairly well-run organization. I know, you know, that's not a popular opinion currently because we're in the market of basically selling the idea that our previous regime was full of incompetent people that didn't know how to do their jobs, which is why this new regime is going to be so incredible and amazing. Obviously, uh, you know, I've seen this song and dance before and I don't buy it. I didn't buy it then. I don't buy it now, but we'll, we'll see. Like for me, it's not to sit here and, and be negative towards a new regime. I'm just like, I've seen this play out before prove to me that you're actually good at your job by winning games and, and making good moves as opposed to me just basically saying the previous regime was terrible. So therefore the new regime is immediately competent because they're not as terrible as that previous regime that, you know, that whole song and dance to me is, is played out, but you know, getting back on topic, basically teams don't want to spend drop $50 million on a free agent unless it's absolutely necessary. And like many teams, the Falcons, have rarely deemed that to be necessary, but getting back to your initial premise of top tier free agents, it again, again, depends on what you consider a top tier free agent. If we're talking about future hall of famers, Alex Mack would qualify as a top tier free agent in that regard. You know, Rod Coleman and, and work done were big time signings at the time and considered among the top free agents at the market when they were signed by the Falcons earlier this century. 
Um, you know, obviously we didn't sign these guys as free agents, but we did acquire them via trade in John Abraham and Tony Gonzalez and Asante Samuel and whatnot. So I, I feel like it's not as if the Falcons aren't going out there and getting big name players. It's just, they're not doing it every year. And frankly, you don't want to see them doing it every year. If they're, they're doing this every year, that's a bad thing to do. So, you know, the, the, the Tom Brady like signings make it seem like, Oh, that's is the way that you want to build your team. You know, I know the bucks have, you know, we, we look at the bucks recent free agent for like Tom Brady and Shaq Barrett and, and Dominic and Sue, et cetera, and say, Oh, they've done a great job in free agency. But you go back just a few more years before that they were absolutely terrible in free agency and spending gajillions and gajillions of dollars every off season and just whiffing year after year after year. And so like, it's just not a strategy that is conducive to sustainable success over the long haul. So you, you can go on a run, but you know, it's not something that you can do every single year. At least very few teams have been successfully to do it. And even the Bucks, despite their recent success, haven't been able to do that over the long haul. So, you know, I, I do think you need to clarify a little bit what you mean by top tier free agent, but getting to your last question, um, as for music, you know, here are the top five artists in terms of most songs I have on my phone. Number one is Drake. Number two is Jay-Z. Number three is the weekend. Number four is J Cole. Number five is Nas. Um, although, you know, if I'm being honest, like I was surprised that J. Cole was that high. I knew he was in the top 10, but I haven't really fooled with J. Cole since Forest Hill Drive. So um, I would probably not put him on my top five uh, just because, you know, I haven't really listened to his music over like the last six or so years. Um, so next on my list, who I would probably push up in the top five. So we'll push Nosh up to four and we'll put Rihanna at number five, at least based off of the number of songs in my phone. Um but like, if I was just looking at, if you were asking me sort of just name my top five and then going through my phone as I'm going through it, I'm like, yeah, these would be the people I would probably put Jay-Z and Nas and Kanye pre Yeezus, uh, Outkast, Drake, Lil Wayne, when he was in his Carter two, Carter three days would have certainly been, you know, various people over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that I would have put in my top five. But basically all of the people that I like don't really make music anymore. And if they do, you know, I'm not really <laughs> buying as much as like, I like all their old stuff more so than their current stuff. Um, and like what I've realized is like, I just don't care that much about music anymore over the last five, 10 years. And I have a pet theory that I think there's like a 15 to 20 year period. And it, this applies to me. And I think it applies to a lot of people. I know it doesn't apply to everybody, but I would imagine it applies to most people that there's like a 15 to 20 year period somewhere that starts around the age of 10 for most people and probably ends around 30, somewhere in there, the 15 to 20 year period where sort of that's your formative years when it comes to your musical taste. And those are the, that's your generation's music. That's the music that defines you and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, for me, like, you know, I'm 39 now, right? 38. I'm sorry. I don't know. A friend of mine just turned 39. That's why I got confused. Um, I'm 38 now. Um, and so like, it's, you know, that, that phase of my life has been over for a number of years. Like, you know, when I'm in my car, I don't listen to music. You know, I listen to the music that's on my phone or I listen to a podcast. I, I think I stopped listening to radio around 2015, 2016. That was probably the last time I regularly listened to the radio. Um, so there you have it. So I think this week we'll probably be back for five days a week, guys. So if you, we will probably do Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. So we'll have another chance for you guys to answer questions, uh, to ask questions and have me answer them on tomorrow's episode. Wednesday, I'm trying to get a guest. If not, we might do my roster preview. 
um, since I've been, you know, hinting at that for, <laughs> for like six weeks now, <laughs> six weeks too late, but might as well get one in and then hopefully that will leave us time Thursday and Friday to wrap up this draft class with Avery Williams and Frank Darby scouting reports at the end of this week. And we'll be done with that. And then probably starting next week, we will start getting into uh training camp previews and we'll start getting into some of these position battles um, starting next week. So, you know, this past week of three shows a week is probably going to be the only week that we did this. I thought I was going to take two weeks off, but I realized, you know, now I'm starting to count the days towards training camp. But I'm like, okay, like I, I probably need to get back to five shows a week starting this week. If I'm going to get all the content out that I want to do. So, um, if you guys want to submit future questions for tomorrow's episode, as well as future episodes that we will have later on, of course you can do so via Twitter at locked on Falcons via Facebook at locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it guys until then.